This message was recorded live at the Dublin Irish Festival using a smartphone. The audio quality isn't great, but we hope that this will still be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. My name is Steve from the Leaders that I discovered, and uh, I proudly stand before you as an eighth generation Irish American. So that's kind of cool. Um, Peter Murphy came over here in the 1700s, I think it was. But way, way more than that, um, all of us stand or sit here together, proud followers of Jesus, which goes back 2,000 years, generation after generation after generation. Today, normally I discover if you uh, have a phone or whatever, a tablet, you can follow along using the YouVersion outline. But as Michael mentioned earlier today, if you want to follow along an outline, uh, you can do that by going to our website, discovercc.org, and scroll down and you'll find the thing that says Worship Back for the Irish Festival, and the notes for the message will be there as well. Well, we are walking as a church through the book of John, and um, what we're talking about is all the stuff that's not included in the other accounts of the life of Jesus. So there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we are talking about things that only John mentions. I was thinking, um, do you ever get bummed out when, like, a close friend of yours, um, a family member, like, moves away? Right? Isn't that like, oh, are you kidding me? I can't believe they're moving. Like, we've got some people from our church that are moving from jobs and stuff this fall, and we're like, you know, God be with you and all that stuff, but it's just like this party goes with and you're sad, right? And what's really interesting is Jesus says in John chapter 16, listen, I'm going away and it's going to be better than if I stay. John chapter 16, starting verse 6, he says, in fact, it's best for you that I go. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the kingdom of judgment. Would you pray with me? God, we, uh, we sit here, we're in this place to bring you honor and glory. And God, we ask that as we read your word and we talk about it for just a few minutes, that it would be something that is relevant to our lives. And that your Holy Spirit will help us be more like Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. So the idea of Jesus leaving and the Holy Spirit coming is kind of going to be our main point today. But I want to touch you just a minute on those three words there. Those are kind of the churchy words, right? I mean, I don't know if you're walking around and you're talking about sin and righteousness and judgment in your life. Are you just having conversations with your neighbors about those things? Raise your hand if you are. Yeah. Probably not so much. Those are kind of big churchy words, like you hear them in church. Real quick, let's just define them. It's not the main focus, but it's important for us to understand what's going on here. Sin is the stuff that breaks our relationships. It breaks our relationship with God, breaks our relationship with people, breaks our relationship even with creation. And, and we always, when we think of, of sin, a lot of us will go to that list of the ten, right? God's top ten list in the Old Testament, right? The, you should not do this. You shall not do this. Or if you're older, you know, thou shalt not. The first four of those talk about our relationship with God. 
the last six of those talk about our relationship with people. And what happens is if we, we do the things that we're not supposed to do, or we don't do the things we are supposed to do, our relationships aren't what they should be. And God doesn't want us to suffer through broken relationships. That's why he gives us these boundaries that make sense. He wants us to avoid the consequences of bad choices. Now, last night, I spent, I don't know, at least half hour longer pulling weeds for six square feet. It was ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. It was just like this entire thing had been overtaken by weeds. Now, I don't know about you. I did not plant those weeds. I didn't go in my backyard and go, hey, I need some weeds in this space. I'm going to just throw some weed seed down there. They were there. And you know what? That time was annoying to me. I thought there are so many more important things I could be doing right now. This is a pain. It's hurting my back. My fingers aren't loving it. My bald head is hot and getting sunburned. And the stuff that was growing there was not what should have been growing. And that's kind of the way it is with sin. And we have these boundaries that God sets up, and He's like, don't let that stuff get in there and get planted and mess up and take away and, and choke out the stuff that's good. And we're going to have a lot of work to do that really never needed to be done. So that's kind of what sin is. Righteousness is simply doing what's right. And, and who determines what's right? You know, that's kind of an interesting question in our world today. You know, what I think is right is what I think is right, and what you think is right is what you think is right, and everybody's okay, right? Yeah, not, not so much. Um, this is a straight edge. I didn't, well, never mind. Okay, I, people from our church know I always go off on changes, so I'm going to come back. Okay, anyway, this straight edge, um, you use it to measure stuff, right? You know, it's a four-foot straight edge. But most of the time, what I use this particular tool for is to make sure things are straight. This is what I line everything up against, right? I can draw a line with my free hand, and it's not going to be straight. But if I have a straight edge, then I use it, and hey, it's straight. Or if I want to see if something is straight, I put it up against the straight edge, or put the straight edge up against it. This is the standard. This is the thing that is correct. This is the thing that is straight. And everything else is used, or is judged by it. So it's the same thing with this. This is the standard. There's nothing else that's correct. This is what we use. The Word of God is the standard by which we see if things are right or wrong. That's all there is to it. Is, is it right if it agrees with the Word of God? It's right. If it doesn't, it's not. So that's really important. And again, God gives us this, His Word to help us understand and to avoid things that are damaging to those relationships that we have with people. And then judgment. Well, I, I want you to hear this. Some, some people honestly have never heard this. And my guess is most of you have heard it. That's why you're in this place. But there are a lot of people around us that have not heard this. That God is for them. That God loves them. That God is not a God of judgment and wrath. Like that's part of his character. But God's heart isn't punishment or retribution. God's heart is forgiveness and grace. And that's why Jesus came. But it is say one that we long for justice to be done, right? When something is not correct. When, when something goes against what is right. There is a consequence for that. And that's what this is talking about. 
Okay, so that's those three churchy words. Just wanted to define those for a little bit. But here comes another word. This one is really kind of interesting. It's a Greek word that Jesus uses when he's talking about when he goes away, then the advocate as a strength of the here will come. The word in Greek is parakletos. Like, what? <laughs> there, there is no English word that captures this Greek word. And so here in the version we use, it's, it's translated as advocates. But other words that are used are counselor or helper or friend because the Holy Spirit can't be captured by any one of those and not even by all of the words in the world. But what happens is Jesus, in the book of John, talks about the Holy Spirit quite a bit. So we want to look just real quickly at those verses. John chapter 3, starting in verse 6. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. This is a conversation Jesus is having with that Nicodemus, and in this conversation, Jesus says, John 3, 16, God of the world so much he gave one of his son. But when he's talking here, he mentions the Holy Spirit, and he says the Spirit is responsible for spiritual birth and life. Now, Teresa, my wife and I, we have three wonderful children, and, and every child is a miracle. Every birth is a miracle. God is involved in forming every child. But people are born in flesh and blood, right? We are spiritual beings. C.S. Lewis said, you are not a body with a spirit. You are a spirit with a body. Which one lasts forever? Our spirit. And the Holy Spirit is involved in giving us spiritual birth. Jesus talks in John chapter 4, he says this, A time is coming, indeed it's now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And we've had a time of worship today together. Singing is part of our worship. But that is not it. That's not all of it. The Bible talks about Spiritual things, physical things being part of our worship. And in fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Here's what you need to do offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So, our reasonable worship, our true worship, our spiritual worship is connected to our lives. And that's what Jesus is talking about here with this woman at the well. Then, in John chapter 14, Jesus talks a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. And he says this in verse 16 and 17. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, again, a helper, a friend, a counselor, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to help us understand what truth is. In fact, in chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says, when the Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. And again, humans, we struggle. We struggle with knowing what the truth is, right? Is that true? Is that true? Is that true? If you're a follower of Jesus, he will help you understand what truth is. That's part of his soul. And then just a few verses earlier, John chapter 14, verse 12, I tell you the truth, speaking of truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to the Father. We will do greater works, the same kind of works that Jesus did, 
he says, and he says that will happen because he is going to the Father. Specifically because Jesus is leaving, the Holy Spirit comes. He will empower those who believe, and they will do great works like Jesus. And this actually grew true not long after Jesus said these words. There were just a few early followers of Jesus, and they weren't people we would probably choose to lead a movement. They were people just like us. In addition, they were mocked, they were assaulted, they were even killed for their faith. But within about 30 years, this small group of followers made such an impact that they said of them, they have turned the world upside down. These ordinary people were used by the extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit to do amazing things. And again, that movement that started 2,000 years ago is exactly why we're sitting here at the Irish Festival today talking about you. And that movement is still doing things today in the name of Jesus. In the 1950s, there were some people from China who had to flee the country because of persecution. They went over the mountains into India. And multiple generations later, those followers are now taking the gospel to completely unreached places in Northeast India, where, where Jesus has never been heard before. Literally, his name has never been spoken in those people groups. And we're partners with the ministry that's doing that. It's amazing. Here in Columbus, there are a lot of wonderful ministries that work with homeless people. We have a partner called Columbus Relief, where, where a guy who used to be an addict himself, he actually said, he and his family said, we are going to make a difference in the population here in Columbus with the homeless people, and, and they are doing amazing work. And we're going to have a car show, and they're going to be, uh, our 10th annual car show is going to be on September 22nd, and they will be the people who get the benefit financially from that so they can continue in the ministry. We encourage you to come out to that our church building. And you know, we can read these stories of these amazing things that people are doing throughout the world, like this awesome stuff. And you're like, oh, that's so cool. And then you look at your life, right? And you're like, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Anyone ever, like, try to play an instrument, take lessons? Go ahead and raise your hand, you know, play an instrument. All right, wow, that's a lot of people. You know what? I would be so discouraged now if I was starting to play an instrument. And here's why. I'm playing. My wife's a piano teacher, so I hear it all the time. I'm playing, you know, they do a little thing. You know, you think you're like, man, I'm getting good. And you practice really hard and you do a great job. And then, then, then someone comes to you with a YouTube video of a four-year-old, right? <laughs> They're playing these incredible Rachmaninoff pieces. You're like, oh, you're trying to bring out some of these keys. How does that happen? And so you're like, I stink. And I think sometimes that can happen in our spiritual lives. Like, we feel like, oh, man, I'm not doing, I'm not taking the gospel where Jesus has never been heard before. I'm not like working with the homeless people every day. I'm not doing anything. Well, you know, if that's the motivation to get us moving, that's okay. But I think another truth is going on. I think sometimes we get so discouraged because we feel like we're not making this massive impact. You know, to, to do a great work, it doesn't mean to do a visible thing. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be like doing this amazing thing that is broadcast throughout the entire world. 
what, he, what a great work he is, is just doing what God asks you to do. Just sharing whatever God has asked you to share. It, it might be helping the poor and marginalized behind the scenes. It might be living on less so you can share more. It might be reducing the busyness of your schedule so you can have more time to serve or to study or to pray or to rest. Did you know rest is a spiritual thing? It is. Do a study of rest in the Bible. Wow, it will convict you. It does me. Sharing the love and the truth of Jesus, that's a great thing. That's a great work. Anytime we're faithful to what God asks, we are doing great things. Well, there's a lot more about the Holy Spirit, obviously, in the Bible. In, in John's account, Jesus says the Holy Spirit produces spiritual life in us. The Holy Spirit connects our spirit to God's as we worship individually and together. The Holy Spirit advocates for us as our friend, our helper, our counselor. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to do great things. So Jesus said, I'm going to take off and it's going to be better. The reason for that is because Jesus is God in the flesh, which is awesome. God with us, Emmanuel, so we celebrate Christmas, right? God was here. But God in the flesh is human, limited, right? He wanted to be one place at once, for example. The Holy Spirit is God not just with us, but God in us. That's a whole different level of God in our lives. And the Holy Spirit, by nature, being a spirit, is less limited than a human form would be. The Holy Spirit leads us, advocates, counsels, helps us, he's our friend. And so when he does his work, we need to pay attention. Now, I'm going to share two stories with you, just real briefly. Um, the first one's kind of embarrassing. I used to be a recording studio engineer, and... Um, we had a band coming in once from Georgia as a couple, um, a husband and wife and their, their family. And uh, they were recording with us. And uh, we became pretty good friends. They recorded with us multiple times. And uh, once I had a dream, but like this really bad thing happened to their family. And I was like, I think I better call them. That might have been the Holy Spirit saying, you know, there's something going on. So I pick up the phone and I call. And Sherry answered the phone and I said, are you guys okay? Like, I had this dream. I think it might have been from God. And she said, you're weird. <laughs> she didn't say exactly that. But she was like, no, nothing has happened. Everything's totally fine. And I thought, oh, that's... Maybe that was just me. Maybe that was just me. A couple of years ago, we were at Vacation Bible School, our church from the UBS, and... Uh, some friends that had moved away, one of those that kind of took part of your heart with them, and they had moved away. And uh, I thought of the husband, we were just great friends. Um, he was great friends with a lot of people. And um, I thought, you know what? I need to call Tony and see what he's doing. It's been a while. And I said, oh man, it's, it's a busy week. It was about school, you know, I'll call him next week. And then Tony died a couple days before we BS. In that case, I should have been listening to the Holy Spirit. And it was good to spend time with his family and encourage, and I got to speak 
vision is for you, probably isn't something that involves thousands and thousands of people, but it's something that's very important. And maybe someone has said to you, ah, I don't think you could do that. That won't work. But if God said, this is what I want, he will make it happen. He will provide through his spirit. He will use us to make a difference. God can do it in you and through you because God is able. The Holy Spirit produces fruit in your life. And actually, God, as you worship the Spirit and truth, the advocates under you have to empower you to do great things. So, I don't know, how cool would it be if, like the early followers of Jesus, people said, man, they turned the world upside down? Maybe it would be the the world right side up. That's right. God, we pray that we would begin with love more than anything. And uh, that somebody today would sense, would hear, would see your love. God, it's the first part of your fruit. It's the first part of your heart. You made us for a relationship, and then you sent Jesus to restore our open relationship. So our hope, our prayer, God, is that you would use us for your glory. Again, we can't do this on our own. We ask, though, that you would do it in us, and through us, for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stay.